0: Kelly. <laughs> Amen. I was praying for her on that final note. <laughs> I said, the Lord, give it to her. Thank God for all the good music. We appreciate it. And it all points to Christ, that he's the savior of the world. Amen. Amen. And he came, he lived, he died, he was buried, he rose again. That's called the gospel. And it's through that gospel and the blood of Christ that saves you today title of my message, very simple. When I begin to have problems in my own life in different ways, uh, I, I always go to these verses because they're a real encouragement to me. I've used John 21 on several occasions, but uh, they just are a blessing to me, and I hope that they will be to you too. Uh, the Bible states this in Romans chapter 15, verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience... And comfort of the scriptures might have hope. You know, the Apostle Paul, I had a guy say to me one time, you're not supposed to preach anything but the Pauline epistles. And, uh, of course, Paul quoted uh, quite often out of the Old Testament, didn't he? And uh, if you don't believe that, read Romans chapter 2, 1 Corinthians, of course, 14, Romans chapter 9 through chapter 11, and uh, he loved Israel and he would quote the Old Testament quite often as it, uh, as it applied to what was going on at that moment. Galatians chapter 3, another one. And so just remember, it's for our admonition, our learning, and we can make application to those things. Times we falter, we get off track, sometimes we sin, we fail, and we come short of what God wants us to do, and the way God wants us to live. There are times we've tried to please God, try to have a good testimony, but for some reason, that old flesh, the things I want to do, I don't do, the things I don't want to do, that's exactly what I do, and that comes into play too often in our lives, doesn't it? It's a real tug-of-war cross-pull between our flesh and the Spirit that should be guiding us. The question comes, what does God expect of us? Well, I believe God expects us to live for him. That's real simple. He wants us to follow what he says in his word. But also, I believe he knows our frailty. He knows that there will be some failures in our life. But if we've been saved, he's given us the Holy Spirit so that we don't fail as much or as often. And I'm thankful for that. The Bible says, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, you believe that, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. And it also says then, because of his presence in you as a child of God, it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That's why we can claim, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth us. So because of that, that helps us in our daily walk. But apart from God, apart from His Word and the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. But when the Spirit of God is controlling us, we'll have more victories than we have defeats in our life, won't we? And that's just simple truth there. Now, one of my favorite characters, I've preached on him many times that I love so much, and his name is Peter. And uh, we identify with Peter quite a bit. As a matter of fact, if you look in the mirror, you probably will see Peter <laughs> <laughs> because we identify with him in such an uh, easy, uh, identical way. Notice some things about Peter. He failed to grasp Christ going to the cross. Uh, he was blinded somewhat but he had his own person that he would just would not admit what was going to take place. Not only that, he failed to pray for Christ in Gethsemane. What would he do? He slept. <laughs> he took a nap while Christ was going through the burden of thinking about Calvary. He failed in almost causing a massacre when he cut the ear off of Malchus. He didn't have presence of mind of what that could entail, Thank God the Lord stepped in. And then he failed after boasting he would never, ever forsake Christ, even if the rest of the disciples did. And he did, didn't he? He failed when he denied and swore he didn't know Christ. And from that point on, he began to follow Christ from afar off. And that's awful. You think of how close he was, but now he follows afar off. You see, by these actions, there were consequences. Consequences. He had a broken fellowship. He had a broken heart, a broken testimony and ministry. Why would he even do anything anymore? He had a broken spirit, and physically, he was miserable, and he went out and he wept. And you don't think that he was convicted of what he had done The Bible states that after he, that third denial of Christ, Luke chapter 22, verse 60, says this here. I think I gave it to you guys. And Peter said, man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he yet spake, the cock crew. That was his third time. Now get this, the Lord's being rested. He's taken away. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. I can only imagine what that look was. When, you know, when we sin, you know, some people, but when he sinned, God himself saw it and looked at him right direct in the eyes. I'm sure that melted his heart at that time. And you know at times you and I, we, we feel like we're failures. You ever felt that way, by the way? You get discouraged with your walk in Christ. You've been unable to quit a sin, been unable to trust God, have faith in him, to stay faithful and sold out to God. You've been unable to control your flesh, not give the God the time the prayers, the word as a priority. Even right now, he might not be your first love. And so you just put these things together and sometimes you say, man, I'm such a failure. But remember this, God hasn't forgotten you. He still loves you. Regardless, he still loves you. If he loved us while we were sinners, always remember... He'll love you as one of his children if you've been saved. After Christ, everything that was going on, notice some things about Peter. John 21, 3 says this here. John 21, 3. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, we also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. Here we have Peter. He goes back after his failure. He thinks it's over for him. He goes back to his old lifestyle. And I've seen that more than once where people have been actively involved and they have some failure in their life. Instead of getting right with God and going forward, they slip back into the world. They begin to go to the wrong places, begin to run around with the wrong People begin to practice the wrong things and follow the wrong priorities. Here we have Peter. He went back to his old business, fishing. And you know what he did? He caught nothing, it says. And that tells us something. Away from God's will, you will come up empty, no joy and no happiness because you know better. Amen? There was a time when the disciples were there and a number of other people called disciples, when Christ said some tough things doctrinally to them, they left. And Christ turned around to his 12 and he said, Will you also leave me? And Peter, the one, stood up boldly and said, Where will we go? You have the words of life. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. What a statement by Peter but Peter failed. Have you left God out of your life, by the way, out of your plans, out of your activities, out of your decisions, out of your daily routine, or do you just live as if he does not exist when you're doing the things in your life? Something else that took place I think is important. Verses 4 through 6 of John 21. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore... But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have you any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and and you shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. There we see here, it's very important, Peter is lovingly confronted. This is Christ's second or third post-resurrection appearance. And just the fact that Christ shows up here, he was saying to them, I'm not here to condemn you for failing, but I'm here to help you, to get back up, to get back on track. And let me tell you something. When you fail, you're not absent of Jesus Christ. He will keep coming to you Coming to you and coming to you. In my life, I don't know how many times I've let the Lord down. And I've gotten up and wiped the dust off because he just kept, he was relentless in his love for us. And he keeps trying to get us to get back up and get on track. Then verse 7, he says this here. Verse 7, Therefore that disciple whom Jesus uh, Jesus loved By the way, everybody says that's John. I personally, you need to study it yourself, believe it's Lazarus is the one he loved. And uh, saith unto Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his father's coat unto him, for he was naked. He's out there in the sea, doesn't have any clothes on, fishing. And he did cast himself into the sea. There we see the apostle Peter is overwhelmed by Christ's love and grace. Peter realizes the fact that Christ was there, that Christ still cared for him. He puts his father's garment on, jumps into water, and swims the shore. Seems like he'd swim the shore first and then put that thing on, but he didn't. In verses 8 through 14, Peter is welcomed again he's by he comes on the shore and the other disciples come and the lord already has fish there already cooking already has hot bread there has the campfire there they ate they had fellowship and no doubt to peter it felt good to be close to the lord once again but i'm sure in the back of his mind he remembered another campfire when he warmed his hand with the enemies Denied that Christ was the Messiah and he was one of his disciples. But anyway, the Lord there is going to talk to him. Christ, he waits just for the right time before he says anything until finally he challenges Peter. Verse 15, it says this, So when they had dined, Jesus saith unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Christ says to him, Feed my lambs. Now let me say something about this. Peter is challenged to make Christ the Lord of his life there. Simon, son of Jonas. Jesus hadn't referred to Peter like that since his conversion. And by him making that statement, it seems that Christ was giving Peter another opportunity to start all over again, to have a new beginning. The conversation has the connection between Peter's three denials. He denied Christ three times, right? Well, here the Lord will ask Peter three times, did he love Christ more than these, The these are the other disciples around at that time. But also, I believe, these referred to the fish and nets. And he's saying, Peter, do you love me more than your old life? Do you love me more than your business, your gold, and the silver? That's a good question for us, isn't it? The second time Christ speaks to him, verse 16, he saith to him again, the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee? He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. You see, Christ knew the battle that was going on in Peter's divided heart. Jesus is saying to him, Peter, are you ready to go all the way? Are you ready to to surrender your all to me, to live for me? And if so, then I want you to build up other people. Are you ready? Later on, Peter, by the way, writes, desire the sincere milk of the word of God that you might grow thereby. He does, and he even says to the elders later on, feed my sheep, (laughs) feed the sheep. And then the Lord does it the third time. Verse 17, he's persistent, isn't he? He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. In that verse right there, the third time, Peter completely surrenders. Peter repents and returns to Christ. The reason you know that, now don't miss this in your study, the first two times Jesus uses the word love and the Greek word there supporting that, it has the idea that you're all in this thing of following Jesus passionately. You're sold on it, okay? Peter's answer, love, is a different Greek word, actually. And it's different. It has a different meaning. It just means affection. Peter was saying, I have affection for you. Jesus, Now, don't miss this. Jesus' third time, lovest thou me? The word love there, he uses what Peter did the first two times he answered affection Christ is saying it's true then Peter all you have for me is affection not a deep yielding willing to go all the way for the cause that I presented but Peter's response the third time thou knowest I love thee is the same as Christ's first two times when he said to Peter, you love me. Peter's saying, Lord, you know me all too well, but from this moment on, I promise you, I will love you, serve you, surrender to you with my whole heart. After failing, perhaps Peter Maybe he was hesitant he would follow or fail again. Maybe he was fearful he could fall again. But finally he steps up and he came to the place of complete yieldness to Christ. And when he did that, he fulfilled a prophecy. A prophecy that Christ had given him. Luke twenty-two 31. I'm coming down the stretch. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Peter, right there, fulfilled that. Though Peter failed, he wasn't given up on. Though Peter failed, He wasn't destroyed. When he cried out, he loved the Lord with all his heart, Peter was converted. Not from sin to salvation, but from self to full commitment to Christ. Again, when he did that, he was now in position to get back on track to be a fire for God's glory. That word again means that you remember what you used to do? I'm sending you back out and you're going to be the same way. You were a leader. You're the one who was willing to walk on water. You were the one who stood up and said that I am the Christ, the son of the living God. Again, you're going to get out there and you're going to lead him. And boy, did he lead him, didn't he? When he preached at Pentecost, he preached with power, authority in the midst of all kinds of Jews. And he proclaimed to them that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. And many, how many? 3,000? About 3,000, isn't it? 3,000 were saved that day. From a guy who had failed. Think that through. But lifted back, got back on track, God used him. Didn't shelf him, God used him. And by the way, it's interesting. How many, when Moses came down from the mount, how many were perished because they were idolatry and committing fornication and everything down at the bottom of the mountain? 3,000? 3,000? that interesting? I think it is. The application for us this here, this morning, from this lesson, from Peter's life, are you ready to love Christ more than anything? More than anyone? Amen? Christ says he waits for you. He says to you today, come home. Get busy. Be where you belong. You say, but I failed. And I say to you this morning, who hasn't? Amen? Amen. Who hasn't? Noah got drunk, conducted himself in a lewd way. Abraham doubted God, lied about his wife. Isaac, sinned as his father had taught him, lying about his wife. Jacob extorted the birthright from his brother Esau, deceived his father, and raised a family of immoral children. Moses was a murderer, acted in pride, struck the rock instead of what God said to do, speak to the rock. Aaron, a high priest, led Israel in the worship of a golden calf and the orgy that took place. Joshua, was so deceived by the Gibeonites that he made a treaty with them instead of destroying them, as God said. And they were always a thorn in Israel's side from then on. Samson was marked as a man with a lustful heart, loved a wicked woman, but he just loved women. Ruth was in the messianic line, yet she was an accursed Moabitess. David was a ladies' man, an adulterer, a murderer, a poor father, a man that had bloody hands that God wouldn't even let him build the temple. But yet God called him, even after that, the apple of his eye. Solomon, the Lord help us, was the world's leading polygamist. I don't know how many wives he had, way too many. Hosea married a prostitute. Jonah defied God in direct disobedience, swallowed by the well, spit up on the shore. got mad because God moved on an entire city. Elijah was able to handle 850 false priests and prophets, but he fled like a maniac when one woman got on his case. Paul was a former killer. Timothy was fearfully ashamed to stand up for Christ and Paul had to rebuke him. All these people got up, got back on track, and got going for God. And God greatly used them, even with their frailties. Myself, the most I'm attacked is in my mind. God attacks me, uh, not God, uh, Satan attacks me in my thinking quite often and says to me, as Kelly's song said, I I thought it, it went right with it, I'm not spiritual enough. He says to me, I'm not prayerful enough. I'm not qualified enough. I'm not in the word enough. Sometimes that's true. There are times I think that I'm wrapped up in the world's direction too much. I get too upsided about the coats or who's going to win an election this week. Amen. Sometimes I focus too much on my failures. One of the weaknesses that I have as a believer is, I beat myself up too much, Carol would agree to that. That's a side that I battle quite often in my life. And I have to remind myself that God still loves me. And by my being in Christ, the reason I'm in Christ is that I put my faith that Christ is the son of God. He died for my sin, shed his blood there died was buried and rose again the third day. That's called the gospel. and it's what he did and he accomplished that saves us if we put our faith in that. It has nothing to do with our works, our efforts, our human efforts, church, baptism, giving money, has nothing to do, it's by grace through faith plus nothing just faith alone in the gospel alone saves you. And when you're saved, he takes you out of your Adam, out of your position in Adam and places you into Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold now all things are become new because now I'm in Christ. And in Christ I've learned and I have to remind myself that regardless of how much I have failed, I'm accepted in the beloved. Always. He never throws me away. I'm always accepted. In Christ, I'm valued. I'm somebody special to God. And so are you if you're in Christ. We're not just a stupid blob walking around. We're special, unique to God. And then I'm loved. And I read that there's nothing Nothing that can separate me from the love of Christ. And I've learned that. But also I learned that I'm capable. In Christ makes me capable to be able to live for Christ and to love him with all my heart. There's been many times I've had to pick myself back up and get back on track. How about you? Somebody said our, our, our life is a journey of failures and getting back up until we, we get to heaven finally. And I believe that's true. I close with this, 2 Corinthians 5, 14, 15. For the love of Christ constraineth us. That you love Christ, you, you do have affection for Christ, but it's a deeper love. The love of Christ constraineth us. Because we thus judge, we... Discern that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him, Christ, which died for them and rose again. That's staying on track. Because of our love for Christ, what he's done for us, it moves us, it goes so deep God, you know I love you. I've said before to the Lord, I said, Lord, here I am again. (laughs) But God, I want you to know something. I know none of this is your fault. (laughs) It's all mine. I did it myself. But God, I want to be back in that close, intimate relationship with you. And you know what God has done? Every time, he said, I've been wanting you to come home where you belong. I know you love me. Amen? Amen. Father, we love you because you first loved us. <laughs> and so, God, I just pray that you'd speak to believers right now. Those who are wrestling with battles and, and uh, trials and things that have knocked them down, I just pray that they get up this morning, and that they'd wipe the dust off, and they'd get back on track, and God, I know that's what you want, you love them, you want to be there for them, to help them through this, if they just look to you this morning, and I just pray that they will. Thank you for your grace, and your mercy, in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. let's all stand, we'll sing a song of invitation, the day of You've never trusted Christ. We would invite you to come. We'll meet you here at the front. You can be saved today. Know you have eternal life. How about that? But then also as a believer, maybe you want to come and just pray. Say, God, here I am. I'm coming home today. I'm getting back on track. Perhaps you've been praying about a church. You said, I've been around these people. For some reason, I like them. And I want to be a part of them. And uh, we would invite you to come. If God spoke to it, God bless you, you come. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Let's sing it together. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the... Sing it one more time. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of. We hope you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you visit with us in person. For more information, please visit our website at gpnd.net or contact us by phone at 317-535-3512. You can watch us live and view past services on our website, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Until next broadcast, may God richly bless you as our prayer.